0: Augustus issued a decree that a census must be taken of the whole entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place, that Corius was governor of Syria. I'm telling you. What's this? Here? So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was in the house and the line of David. He went through the bedroom of Mary. He questioning to him. His trusting child. One day, the time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped her in claws and put him in a manger because there was no guest room available. And you was suffered sleeping out in a field nearby. He was a few jack of The of the an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I'll bring you good news, for that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. But yes unto you, you will find a way, wrapped and clothes, and a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the, garden, the highest heaven, on the own peace to those, with the best. When the angel have left them, come to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." So they hurried off and found Mary. And Joseph and the baby lay in the manger. And they had seen him, they spread the yard. They yeah, have told them about this sight. And all who amazed at what the shepherd said to them. First day, turn glorifying praising God for all things they have for and But you're just as they have been told. How about a big hand for those incredible kids? Wow. Man. They get cuter every single year. That is just the cutest group of kids you're ever gonna see. And the uh, children that were dedicated before are being prepared to be in this presentation next year. You see how that works? Uh, I think it'd be great for us to say a big thank you to all the children's worker, nursery attendants, people that care for the kids on Sunday and Wednesday here at BCA. Would you do that? A couple of weeks ago, I gave a shout out saying, hey, we want to start Sunday school on January the 8th, and we need more teachers in the elementary. And about seven people stepped forward and said, hey, we want to be a part of helping young people find Jesus Christ and learn the Bible. Isn't that great? I thought that was fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. That's in addition to all those who presently serve, and we would like to uh, invite you, if you have a heart to work with kids, let us know about that. We really want to continue to build our kids' program. Well, the children read our scripture for today. Actually, they quoted it. They memorized it and shared the scripture that I was going to read today, so I'm not going to read us through that very same passage, but you can find it in Luke chapter uh, 2, uh, verse about 8 through 20, actually leading into, uh, into that passage. And today we want to talk about the greatest Christmas gift that's ever been given. The shepherds heard the proclamation from the angels. They went to the side of Jesus Christ and found him. And the Bible says, as we just heard uh, the children tell us, they left praising and worshiping and glorifying God. And today people continue to worship God. Not just shepherds, but everybody continues to worship Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What is the greatest Christmas gift you have ever heard of? What is the most intimate, most personal, most fun gift that you've ever heard? Some of you are really struggling with knowing what to buy for your loved ones for Christmas, so I'm here to help you here today. Did you know that the top gifts for 2022 are uh, some of the ones that I'm listing right here? First of all, did you know you can buy a plot of land in Ireland for $49.99? That's a great gift for some of you to buy for somebody. I'm serious. They could then say they're a property owner in Ireland. I mean, how cool is that? How many of you can say that today? Not very many. Another one of the most, um, I guess, desired gifts are a variety of party games for $25. There's a tabletop fireplace that many of you should buy for your husbands and wives, $210, a tabletop fireplace. Who doesn't want a tabletop fireplace? Um, And then one more for $47.99, a personalized Monopoly game. There you go. I am helping you people out. Some of you are just really hurting on what to buy, that special someone in your life, and I'm just uh, sharing it with you. You know, many of us have heard of, of some of the most intimate, personal, uh, wonderful, marvelous gifts at Christmas. Uh, we've heard of people that get married on Christmas Eve or or Christmas Day, or or, or engaged, and how precious and personal and meaningful that is. We hear about uh, families that they have a baby born into their family either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I mean, those are beautiful memories and gifts, you might say, and how how cherished they are and how beautiful they are, and uh, and yet the most incredible gift that's ever been given. The most special, the most wonderful, the most beautiful gift that's ever been given is the gift that God gave when he gave his son Jesus Christ at Christmas. Jesus is, without a doubt, without a question, the greatest gift that's ever been given. And I want us to talk about that for a few moments here today and look at four amazing truths about God's incredible Christmas gift in Jesus Christ. The first one is this. It's personal. God came to us, God came to you. It's intimately personal. It's personal, think about that for a moment. He came to us in a person, to a person, for a person. It's personal. Born to, what's it say? You. Jesus Christ was born to you. He came as a person, to a person. Shepherds were common people. God didn't send his son Jesus to the aristocrats or the wealthy or the famous or the people with all the status. No, they came to the most common people of all, the shepherds of all people. God sent his son to the shepherds, common people, basic people like you and me. I wonder how much time we spend in life thinking we're unimportant or unvaluable or worthless or useless. I wonder how many times we listen to the lies of ourselves, our own thinking, the lies of other people, maybe even family members who are kind of condescending. I wonder how many times we listen to those outside voices saying you're worthless, you're useless, you you have no value, you're good for nothing. Instead of listening to the God of the universe who says you have incredible worth and incredible value and let me prove it to you, I'm going to send you my most incredible gift, my only son, Jesus Christ at Christmas, to you, for you. He's going to live a while and then he's going to die on a cross and pay for your sins and the sins of the whole world. Wow. Nothing comes close No no gift that we've ever heard of or will ever hear of comes even close to the gift God gave when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. You could say that God gave the most important gift that he could ever give when he gave his son. You could also say that he gave his son to the most important person who's ever, ever lived, you. And you'd be right both times. Our value, our worth, just screams at us when we think of what God thought about us, what God thinks about us when he sent his son at Christmas. Think about how important you are to God. Let it sink in a little bit. Uh, If I could, I would love to take everybody within the sound of my voice here in this service, uh, in the early service, in traditions. Uh, Anybody that's listening online, if I could get connected to you, I'd like to grab you by the shoulders and just look in your eyes and just say, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you have any idea? Think about it. Ponder it. Let it sink in. God gave the greatest gift at Christmas. It's very personal. It's also practical. God gave us exactly what we needed. I'm reminded of that four-year-old who opens up a gift, and he's so happy to open up that toy, and he shouts to his mom and dad, this is exactly what I needed. Well, maybe it's what you wanted. You probably didn't need it. I remember, uh, I don't know why I thought of this, but uh, uh, it was a funny story in, at the time, but uh, one of my younger brothers was probably about 10 years old, and my mom and dad got him an omelet maker for Christmas, an omelet maker. And, and my brother opened it, and he had absolutely no use for it. I don't think he ever used it. In fact, I don't even think he sold it at a garage sale. I think it was just kind of a waste. And he was laughing about it. Uh, we, his brothers, were all laughing about it. We thought it was the greatest thing. He got ripped off of one gift. Well, we got something practical. I'm not sure what it was. But, but it was one of the funniest, craziest things. And I think back on it. Uh, and, of course, he, knowing him, he made it so much funnier just uh, talking about it but it, was, it just wasn't practical. It wasn't something that he wanted to use. You go to uh, extended family, and maybe there's some gift giving, and, and sometimes you get a gift where you say, I can't use this. Ever gotten a gift? You say, I can't use this. And, and you thought, come on, don't hold out on me. You thought, if they would have just got me a $5 gift card that I could use for something I wanted, that would have been great. But they gave me this, you know, Thing and you know, I'm putting it in the bottom of the bag, never to be seen again, or maybe you conveniently leave it at, at your relative's home or something. Come on, don't look at me that way. You've been there, we've all been there, and, and you're thinking, you know, the, the thought counts. I appreciate the thought, but you know, uh, you know, something useful might have been actually more appreciated. But God's Christmas gift, God's Christmas gift, besides being deeply personal is exquisitely practical. Jesus Christ was given to us at Christmas by God so that our past sins could be forgiven. Our present needs could have the power that they need and the help that we need to make it through whatever challenges we face in life. And our future hope of one day going to heaven, he secured that too. It's incredibly, exquisitely practical. He deals with our past, our present, and our future. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That's what verse 10 says. Out with fear, in with good news, and forever with joy. Just think about that for a moment. How many have ever had a little bit of fear in your life? Just once. Go ahead, raise your hand, be honest. This is church. God knows if you're lying. Every one of us, every one of us, most of us have two hands up. You know, we all understand fear, and yet the Bible says over and over and over again, don't fear. Here again, don't fear, don't fear. Why is it that we allow ourselves to think so often about the future, what could happen in the future? And we come up with all sorts of ideas on how things could go wrong in the future, and how our lives could be messed up in the future, that we allow it to ruin our present. All we have is the present. We don't even have the future yet. And someone once said, and I think it's true, you know, the present is called the present because it is a gift. We need to guard that gift. We need to cherish that gift. We need to live in the present, be in the present, enjoy the present, maximize the present, and not let our fear of what might happen and usually doesn't happen, by the way, in the future destroy the present. Let that sink in a little bit here today. As you think about some of your fears and some of your challenges about the future, I'm not saying we don't plan and we don't work ahead, but we don't idle away in fear and shake and worry and angst. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. You've heard the acrostic false evidence appearing real. You know, we are really good at believing that false evidence and believing it's real when a lot of those things aren't going to happen. God says, I'm sending you Jesus to give you peace in the midst of your storm so you don't have to live by fear. And then he says, hey, I want to give you good news. Good news. What is the good news? The good news is that God sent his son Jesus who was born as a baby. He lived for a while. He did some incredible teaching. We see it all over the Bible. And then he eventually died on the cross for our sins. And he was buried in the tomb and he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and now he's making preparation for us in heaven one day. That is the good news. Out with fear, in with good news. How many like good news? Jesus is all about good news. And then forever with joy. Look at this acrostic. Jesus offers you what? Think about it. Love, joy, peace. Eternal life, forgiveness of your sin. I mean, you can add to that list as, as well as I can. Just think about what Jesus Christ offers you. It's amazing. Sometimes I'm in conversations with people who just don't think serving Jesus is practical. And I say, what are you talking about? Of course it's practical. And we go back and forth till I'm you know, red in the face and exhausted and exasperated. And, and uh, you know, they just don't, don't buy into it. But here, I just listed a few things. Forgiveness of sins, check Victory over fear and anxiety, check. Help with present problems, check. Eternal life in heaven with Jesus, check. Peace with God, check. And we could go on and on and on. You talk about the gift of God being personal, yes, but it's also practical, incredibly practical. I love this poem that I have seen on Christmas cards seemingly every year. I haven't seen it quite yet this year, but you've seen this. If our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, he would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, he would have sent an accountant. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and so he sent a Savior. A Savior. God's gift at Christmas is incredibly personal, incredibly practical. And number three, it's priceless. It cost Jesus Christ everything. It cost him everything. It cost him his life. God's Christmas gift is the most expensive gift ever given. It cost Jesus everything. And it shows our value and it shows our worth as I pointed out a little bit before. God sent his son Jesus who gave everything for you. For you, for me. On January 8th, I'm going to start a new teaching series entitled Lies We Believe. And we're going to look at Jesus' encounters with people in the New Testament and how they were absorbed by the lies of the world. And Jesus dispelled those and dissolved those and removed those. You and I listen to a lot of lies, if we really think about it. We buy into lies. We tell ourselves a lot of lies. You know, I'm good for nothing. I'm a loser. I blew it. Why did I do that? Why did I think that? Why did I stumble? Why did I fall? And then we listen to other people, and we listen to Satan, and we listen to the world, and we listen to the values of other people around us, and on and on and on it goes. Just stop and think about the number of lies we listen to that just aren't true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And one of the things that we tell ourselves, as I pointed out a little bit earlier in the message, is we, we have no value, we have no use. And God said, wait a second. I'm sending you my son who's giving everything just for you. My gift to you is priceless because you mean that much to me. You mean that much to me. He is the Savior. Look at verse 11. He is the Savior. He came to save you from your sins. He came to save you and give you the hope of everlasting life. One of the beautiful scriptures in the Bible about Jesus Christ being our Savior is one tucked away here in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 it says surely he took up our pain surely he bore our suffering yet we consider him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray we have gone our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus Christ came as that perfect sacrificial lamb to give everything for me, for you. I want to encourage you to do one thing uh, this Christmas above all that you already have planned. And for some of you, it may take 10 minutes. For those of you, it may take hours because you really want to, you know, devote some time to it. But I'd like you sometime this Christmas to find just a little time, just you, all alone, maybe with your Bible, and just to pray and think and write out your worship, write out your prayer, write out your gratitude, write out a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. You say, Rob, I'm not really a writer. I'm not really into journaling. I'm not into that. That's okay, you don't have to be, except this one time. (laughs) I encourage you, I invite you to just go a little deeper. Think a little more specifically about your love and devotion to Jesus Christ. What he means to you as you consider him coming at Christmas on a mission to live a short life and to eventually die for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. I've taken time here this week to do that very thing just as an example And the print's a little small on the screen, so I'm going to read it out loud. Jesus, my King of kings and Lord of lords, you came to earth as a servant and a pauper. Born as a sweet, precious baby in a manger, not a palace, you humbly came to serve and save. Your soft, tiny, infant hands were made not to touch satin or gold or riches or rubies, but to touch a leper's open wound, to wipe away a widow's weary tear, to heal a blind man's eyes, and to draw on the ground while compassionately saving the life of an adulteress, which incidentally is representative of all of us sinners. Your tiny hands and feet were not made to hold a king's scepter or wave from a palace balcony, but were reserved for a Roman cross, nailed there by long Roman spikes. Your tiny head would not bear a crown of jewels, but a crown of thorns. Your brow would not sweat ordinary drops of perspiration, but in your anguish for the excruciating pain that awaited you on our behalf, you would sweat drops of blood, staining Gethsemane soil. Your precious little heart and spirit would not be buoyed by the applause and praise of the multitudes, but rather ravaged by the cancer of our sin, crushed under the weight of our own sorrow for us, and pierced by the spear of our rejection. Baby Jesus, sweet and mild, you came to give us everything by giving your all, and we worship you with all that we have for all of our days. No greater love has man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. I am in awe to be considered your friend. I am in awe to be considered someone worthy of your love, someone so undeserving, but nevertheless a recipient of your grace-filled sacrifice. You are my everything, and I will serve you forever. Amen. Write out your worship. Write out your praise. Write out your prayers. Take just a moment this Christmas season and just get alone with God. Put pen to paper. Get on your laptop and just write out your personal expression of gratitude for his personal gift, his practical gift, his priceless gift given us in the person of Jesus Christ. And there's one more. God's gift is permanent. It will last forever and ever. It was a gift he gave then, it's a gift he gives now, and it's a gift that will last forever and ever. Then, now, and forever. Then, now, and forever. Forever and ever. God's gift of Jesus is unending. So much as life is unsure, insecure, unstable, fickle, but not God's gift of Jesus. Jesus is true and forever and ever and ever. It says in verse 11, he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. He's the king of the universe. He's the master, sovereign of all creation. He is the one that those that came before were looking to. He came as the prophesied Messiah, born as a baby. He lived, and then he died for our sins. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 that we like to read every Christmas. And it's really a powerful scripture to read throughout the year. I love the the use of the word will. He will be called. Not he was or one day might, but he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. This is what he will be called. And I want us just to pause here for just a moment before we wrap things up. And I want you to think about those four names of God and what those mean to you personally. As you think of the permanency of Christ and the permanent gift of God's Son, Jesus, who he gave to you, he gave to me. I want you just to think for a moment about him as wonderful counselor. He is supremely wise. Where do you need God's direction and guidance as you have decisions to make? Where do you need God to give you wisdom as you seek to make important, important decisions? Maybe not at the close of this year, but maybe at the very beginning of a new year. He is your wonderful counselor. Turn to him. Call upon him. He will help you. He's also our mighty God, which speaks to his unlimited power. What challenging circumstances do you find yourself in? Where do you need God's power and God's ability and God's might to help you through a difficult circumstance? You say, I don't know where to turn. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this or that. Go to your mighty God, the almighty all-powerful, all-sufficient one, and just show your dependency and and complete devotion to him and your need for his help. He's our everlasting father, which speaks to his loving presence. Think of his compassion. Think of his empathy. What emotional pain are you dealing with? Where do you need God's help and healing? Some of you have been broken. You have been fractured. You've been fragmented. You've been hurt. You're living with private pain and personal pain and emotional pain of one kind or another. Turn to Jesus. He is our everlasting Father. He has more compassion, empathy, and love than we would ever need. He's also our Prince of Peace. He provides calm assurance. In what ways is your life chaotic and conflicted? Where do you need calm? Where do you need God's comfort? He's our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. And it's permanent forever and ever. Here's what Gabriel the angel said to Mary in Luke 1.32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of David, of Jacob, forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. This Christmas, I want to invite you to join me in thanking God for the most incredible gift ever given at Christmas the gift of his son. It's personal, it's practical, it's priceless and it's permanent. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. And Lord, we think of the great gift that you've given us at Christmas, but Lord, we want to give you a gift at Christmas, and it starts with us giving our heart, giving our, our soul to you. And friends, I want to encourage all of us to make a a Christmas commitment. If you've not committed your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. Just simply say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I need a Savior, and I believe you're the Savior, and I want to commit my life to you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. Make a Christmas commitment. Or, Or maybe for you it's a recommitment. Maybe you've committed your life to the Lord in the past, but you've kind of strayed away. And today you want to recommit your life today. Would you just pray that prayer in your heart of hearts? Lord, today I recommit my life to you. Maybe you've been questioning your faith. Maybe you've wondered about this or been hurt about that and, and it's thrown you off a bit. That's okay. We've all been there. Today is a great day. This is a great season to just recommit your life to Christ. Today, Lord, I'm overwhelmed by your gift that's personal and practical and priceless and permanent. The least I can do is give you my heart and my life in return. Who wouldn't want to follow a God like that? Who wouldn't want to serve a Savior like that? Forgiveness for the past, help in the present, and a promise for the future? Yeah, I'm all in for that. Just simply pray, Lord, come into my life, forgive me my sins. I want to follow you. Make a Christmas commitment. And I want to encourage you to take your Christmas concerns, whatever concerns are on your heart, and I want you to give those to the Lord today. Maybe you're here and you're serving God and and you've committed your life to Christ in the past, but you're going through some really heavy seasons, heavy times, heavy days where you're suffering a lot, struggling, uh, and you need God's help. You need God's healing. You need God's provision. You need God's guidance, God's wisdom. Would you give him your concerns? Would you give him your hurts and your burdens? Just offload those unto him and say, Lord, I give you my concerns today. I trust in you. You say, Rob, that's not a very great gift to give God. He's given us his son. Now we give him our problems. You know, the Bible says that Jesus wants to hear our concerns. He says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. He wants us to depend on him. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to lean on him. It's a sign of devotion. It's a sign of worship. So give him your concerns and your worries and your frets and your anxieties. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each and every one that's here today. Meet us at our point of need and grow us, Lord, to become more like you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the incredible gift of Jesus at Christmas. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a closing song and then be dismissed. I invite you to stand with me. And I'd like to invite our prayer team to come forward during this song. And if you have a special need, a special prayer request, I want to invite you to come. And maybe you want to stand in for someone that you know, maybe a family member, and and pray for them with someone. We have friends here at the altar that would love to pray with you. Let's sing together and then we'll be dismissed in just a moment.